I'm a big fan of cold opens where, you know, I just find something kind of silly that uh, somebody said during the episode and uh, stick that right at the beginning. Just, you know, just as a little joke to like bring everybody in and lighten the mood a little bit. And then it cuts straight into the theme music. Oh, look, here comes the theme music. Welcome to International Podcast Month, or IPM. IPM 2020 is brought to you by the organizational team, Anne, Cole, Tess, and Theron. A very special thank you to all of our participants, without whom this event wouldn't be possible. And now, on to the episode. Welcome to The Extra Dimension, the show where we explore ways technology intersects with society which we like to call the technological convergence. I am your host, Ian R. Buck, and today I will be giving you a crash course on everything that you need to know in order to start your own podcast. Find the show notes for this episode of The Extra Dimension at thenexus.tv slash TED57. So, who the heck am I? Uh, I'm Ian. I have been podcasting for eight years now, um, and I also teach computer tech classes at a high school, one of which focuses heavily on uh, how to make your own podcast. And as part of my work as a high school teacher, I have been making podcast episodes about the topics that I teach in class, which means that I have uh, accumulated individual episodes about, you know, particular topics that uh, are useful for you to know before you start making your own podcast. But uh, I've never made one episode that just ties it all together. So that's what we're here for today. So throughout this episode, I will be referencing a lot of those uh, other previous episodes that I've made. And if you are interested in digging deeper into any of those topics, the uh, links to those episodes will be in the show notes of this one. So you've decided that you want to make a podcast of your own. Um, hopefully you've done a little bit of thinking about like what the topic's going to be, what the format, what the concept is behind it, um, because honestly, like that's the part that I can't really help you with. Only you know what you want to make your podcast about. But there are a few things that I would recommend you uh, think about and keep in mind. Um, remember that age-old wisdom that if you want to be an author, you should read lots of books. I believe that if you want to be a podcaster, you should probably be listening to lots of podcasts. Um, that can help you figure out like what you like and don't like in a podcast, right? You know, For example, how long do you think an episode should be? An hour long is pretty typical, but like, you know, if you decide to make uh, an audio drama, maybe a 20 minute episode is going to be more normal. Um, what kinds of segments do you want to have in your show? How extensive, how, how aggressive do you want the editing to be? Do you want to arrange audio clips to be, you know, more like topic focused? Or is it just going to be like uh, a, a record of this entire conversation that you had with somebody from front to back, etc., etc.? Most podcasts are created as an ongoing series that will just, you know, continue on until the hosts don't have the energy to do it anymore. But you might have, you know, a limited run series in mind, right? That it's, it's entirely dependent on what you want to make. It's also important to think about how often you want episodes to come out for your show. And this is going to depend partially on 
how much effort it takes to make each episode, but also it's going to depend on what is the content of the episode, right? If you are making a news show where you're just compiling like headlines uh, from a particular niche and, uh, and then talking about those, probably going to be making a weekly show, right? Um, if you are making something that is a little bit like more intensive in terms of how long the production time is for each episode, um, and especially if these are like like informative episodes that uh, are going to be good for, you know, that are going to be interesting and relevant for a long time, you can get away with uh, coming out with episodes less often, maybe once a month or so. Hey, look at that. I'm talking about my own show now. Um, but yeah, it, I think it's, it, it is very useful though to have a release schedule of some kind no matter how often you're planning on coming out with episodes i think it is definitely uh useful for the audience to kind of have an expectation of when they will be getting the next episode it's also useful to think about what are the strengths of the podcasting medium itself and how will you be taking advantage of those so like podcasts tend to be very strong when they are longer form right People are much more willing to sit through an hour-long audio episode rather than, like, read an hour-long article. Podcasts are also very good for interviews or conversations because you really get that kind of natural conversation flow going. Um, But on the other hand, if you are doing something, if you're covering a topic that relies on some very visual aspects, like are those going to be difficult to convey in your show? Um, It's not impossible to do so. You know, we've got some great shows like 99% Invisible that talks about things like architecture all the time um, and, you know, which is a very visual medium. But they're able to convey a lot of what they are talking about and what they mean uh, in, in, the, in the audio show itself. Um, so not impossible, but it can be pretty challenging. I myself have definitely been guilty of starting some podcasts that probably in retrospect might have been better as like a written medium or something like that. But I prefer to consume things in audio, so that's what I do. So if you have thought about your show's concept and you still think that it would be really good as a podcast and as opposed to some other medium, uh, yeah, stick with me. Here we go. We're going to talk about a little bit of general advice first, um, and then we'll move into some of the uh, more specific aspects of a podcast production. So the format of your episodes is going to highly depend on, you know, what kind of show you're making. Um, but uh, most most podcasts have a theme song that's consistent from episode to episode. And they, they so they play that theme song, have a little bit of an intro at the beginning to kind of let the audience know what the topic is for the current episode that they're listening to. Um, and we do that just because, like... Quite often when people are listening to podcasts in a podcast player, right, they're not looking at the screen. You never know, as the podcast creator, you never know what they were listening to before they got to your episode. So having this audio cue uh, in the form of a theme song just kind of brings your audience in and and lets them know like, oh yeah, this is the show that I'm listening to now. We're switching gears from whatever we were listening to before. Um, and uh, you know, you, you want as much of the content as possible. Uh, everything that the audience needs to know should be in the audio itself. 
You can also optionally put a cold open at the beginning of an episode. I'm a big fan of cold opens where, you know, I just find something kind of silly that uh, somebody said during the episode and uh, stick that right at the beginning. Just, you know, just as a little joke to like, you know, kind of bring everybody in and lighten the mood a little bit. And then it cuts straight into the theme music. After your intro, you have the meat of your episode, which is going to vary wildly, you know, from from show to show. Um, and then at the end, you would have an outro usually, probably with like the same song, maybe a different song uh, than what you had as your intro. That's where I like to put all of my like calls to action. So, you know, letting the listener know that they can subscribe and uh you know any places that they can find you on social media etc etc whatever you want the audience to do with the information that they got from your show there you go that's where you put it at the end um i know i i have seen shows that start with that stuff right at the top but i kind of don't like to do that because like you really need to build a relationship with your audience before you can make an ask of them. And uh, and so I like to stick those at the end of the episode, um, because if they've stuck around at the end of the episode, they're probably pretty engaged in what you have to say. No matter what kind of show you are making, I would highly recommend producing at least two episodes of that show that you are never, ever planning on releasing. Um, and this will allow you to experiment a bit, you know, kind of get a feel for what your show is going to be and what you like to do with it. Um, and then also, here's a really important bit. This is going to tell you, this is going to give you a sense of how much work this show is going to be, right? If it takes way too much effort to make each episode of your show and you can't sustain that, then like you'll have figured that out before anybody else knows about your show. And so you won't have to like cancel this show after a few episodes once people have started listening. You know, like it's it's always a shame to see a show listed in uh, in a podcasting directory that only has like three episodes in the feed and they haven't released any new episodes in five years. And you just look at that and you're like, wow, that, well, that was a stillborn show, I guess. Having a creative partner on a podcast project can go a really long ways. I know I'm a hypocrite. I'm coming at this <laughs> with a show that I've been producing for the last five years, uh, com almost completely solo without anybody's help. Um, and I can tell you, like, it, I, it's it's definitely it's it's a ton of work. It is probably not the best decision I've ever made in my life. Oftentimes. These two people who are working on a podcast together will be two co-hosts, and then, you know, you can divide up the rest of the work, um, such as, you know, doing the research or editing the episodes afterwards, right? You can divide those up between the two of you according to who has, you know, more interest or ability in each of those areas. It's also just really, really helpful to have somebody else there to kind of keep you accountable, right? If you know that there is somebody else who is relying on you to get your research done on time or to get that episode edit done and get it published, right? Then, I mean, for me at least, that's a huge motivator for like actually doing work. So we divide the process into kind of three different parts. We got pre-production, production, and post-production. During pre-production, that's everything that you do before you start recording, right? So any 
research, coordinating with guests, actors, etc., script writing, right? All of that jazz. That's going to be in the pre-production phase of an episode. Um, for me, for this show, for the extra dimension, it's almost all research, right? I, I start a Google Doc about whatever topic it is that we're going to cover in that episode. Uh, I start looking for articles about it. I paste in the links. I start taking notes. Um, I tend to just read off of bullet point notes uh, as, as I go, and uh, that that works pretty well for me. If you're somebody who is going to need like a word-by-word script written up ahead of time, then, you know, that's what you do. If your show involves interviewing like guests and stuff like that, uh, a significant amount of your time, like don't underestimate this, a significant amount of your time is going to be spent finding those guests, coordinating with them, you know, asking people to come on your show. Um, don't be shy about asking people to come on your show. People are surprisingly willing to, to like try out a thing like being interviewed for a podcast, especially if it's about a topic that like they know a lot about. I think I would say that I have probably about a 75% hit rate on just like cold emailing people and getting them to come on my show. All right, next up we have the production phase, which is where you do your actual recordings. Um, So hopefully you've done enough of the work in the pre-production phase so that the production phase goes pretty smoothly, right? If you have very thorough notes, then you're not going to forget to bring up anything during the episode. Um, This is also the phase where the most specialized equipment is going to come into play, right? You know, you actually have the microphone in front of you. A lot of people get very intimidated at the prospect of having to figure out what kind of microphone to buy for podcasting and everything. I am here to tell you honestly that like as long as you have a good enough microphone and almost as importantly, as long as you are recording in a good space, then your audio will probably sound good enough for most audiences. Now that being said, I would definitely avoid recording with like a bluetooth headset microphone or you know any of those like microphones that are built into the uh, earbuds that you might be wearing right those tend to not be as good Um, i would also avoid like anything that's built into a webcam you know because those are going to those are designed to pick up sounds uh, from you know all parts of the room and so any background sounds that happen uh, are going to get picked up My go-to recommendation if you are going to be buying yourself a uh, microphone for podcasting is the Audio-Technica ATR2100. It's pretty affordable, usually uh, being sold for around 60 bucks, um, and I really like the fact that it comes both with a a USB cord, so you can plug it directly into a computer if you want to, um, but it also has an XLR jack so you can incorporate it into a uh, a more professional like soundboard system uh if you if you decide to like expand the uh audio setup that you have 
Another popular option is the uh, Blue Yeti microphone, which um, has an advantage in that it can be um, set on a table and then you can record into it. And it also can be configured to pick up voices in two different directions. So you can sit across a table with somebody else and, uh, and have both of you be recorded with one microphone. If you're going to be doing some field recordings, uh, you know, where you go out into the world and you are interviewing people, you know, at a public event or whatever, then, um, I mean, neither the Blue Yeti nor the ATR2100 is really designed for that. Um, I would recommend something like the Zoom H1 uh, field recorder because that um, both it, it has microphones built into it, so you can just use it as a handheld uh, microphone. But also, uh, you can plug in external microphones to it. So if you get some like lapel mics, then you can uh, attach a microphone directly to the person who you are interviewing and. Uh, and, and get a good pickup from them there. And that brings me to talking about your recording space a little bit. Um, the most important thing uh, in my mind when I'm picking out a space for recording is just that it, it needs to be a space where nobody else is going to be uh, interrupting you while you're doing your recording. So I personally have a, a little... Um, office that's sort of attached to my bedroom, but it's separated by a little curtain from there. Um, and, uh, and you know, all of my housemates know that uh, when I have the door closed there that they shouldn't come in and, and interrupt. Um, I can close all the cats out so that they don't come over and try and, you know, walk all over the desk in front of me and rub up against the microphone while I'm recording. Uh, little things like that. You might also start thinking about like, oh, do I need to soundproof the room? I mean, you can put a lot of effort into that. Um, I have found that the ATR2100 microphone works really, really well, even though I haven't, like, covered up all of the walls with, like, you know, sound dampening um, panels or anything like that. Um, but that said, like, I am in a room that is all carpeted, which helps a lot to kind of dampen sounds. There's a curtain behind me. Um, there's a curtain over the window that's next to me. As long as you're minimizing, like, the number of hard surfaces that you have in a room, uh, you're probably going to do pretty well. You also want to be mindful of your microphone etiquette. So when you are talking, you want to keep yourself at a, a consistent distance from the microphone. You also want to make sure that you are always like pointing your mouth towards the microphone. So even if you if you turn your head to the left to like look at somebody who's over there, you you don't want to just rotate your head on the axis of your neck. You kind of want to rotate your entire body around the microphone so that you're still pointed at the microphone as you look in different directions. Um, and those are things that you really, it's, it's easier to keep those in mind if you have a setup where you are able to listen to your own voice as it's being recorded to through the microphone so some some microphones have like a headphone jack built into them where they will uh send any sounds that the microphone picks up will be sent through that headphone jack as well as being sent to the recording device 
When you are recording with somebody else, um, if you don't have the equipment to have everybody's voices, you know, be uh, mixed together into into a single track uh, as they're being recorded, I would probably recommend doing what's called a double ender, um, which is where each person, um, you know, you, you hop into a video call with other people and everybody is recording their own voice on their own end. Um, and then uh, once the recording is done, then one person um, collects all of the audio files from everybody and then they can uh, stick those all into an audio editor and uh, and synchronize them and, uh, and edit everything. Something that you definitely need to remember to do, though, is you need to remember to have everybody clap at the same time so that you can synchronize those tracks in the uh, in the audio editor uh, during post-production. There's also a lot of things that you can be doing during your recording to make things easier for yourself uh, in the post-production phase. Uh, I personally like to put in lots and lots of markers and notes as I'm recording. So for example, right now, as I am um, coming up on the post-production section of our episode, uh, I'm putting in a marker that will just remind me that like, oh yeah, this is where the new topic uh, uh, starts so you should start putting in uh, the transition music right here so post-production this is both editing but also everything else that you might be doing uh, after you finish with your recording so the editing phase can be as as heavy or light as you like. Um, the the very first show that I ever uh, did was a a extremely extremely light touch on the editing. Our producer Ryan would uh, just ha- automate the process of uh, of having Audacity apply a compression algorithm which just takes like the the quieter bits of a recording and makes them louder uh, without making the loud bits too loud Um, and that's that's very useful when you've got like multiple different people in a recording who all speak at you know maybe slightly different volumes Um, it also helps if you've got somebody who like sometimes they're really quiet and they don't talk up very much and then sometimes they get really excited and they talk really loud right compression can help to kind of alleviate that problem a little bit Ryan would also do a noise reduction pass, which just gets rid of that like slight hissing sound that uh, you always get no matter what kind of microphone you're using. Um, for example, most of this episode you've been listening to after I did a noise reduction pass, but I left this little section where I'm talking about noise reduction uh, without doing any noise reduction. So you can kind of you might be able to hear a slight hissing uh, in my voice right now. Ryan would also uh, run the entire track through a truncate silence uh, filter, which just has Audacity uh, figure out where there were long stretches of silence and uh, cuts those down to be half a second long each. And that's it. That's all that he would do. Uh, he would he, he would put it through those three steps. Uh, he would just slap some some theme music and some outro music into the file and uh, export that as an MP3. Upload it to the server. Bada bing, bada boom. We've got an episode published. 
Now compare that with some of the more recent episodes of The Extra Dimension that I have published where I, you know, recorded interviews with five or more people and listened back to each of those interviews and took notes on like when people were saying interesting things about particular topics and kind of combined all of those into, you know, so that so that it was a cohesive narrative in the final episode that like takes a heck of a lot more work you're cutting and pasting things to put them in different places you're having to keep track of it all it gets kind of out of hand a little bit um but uh you know i i've heard from people that uh using a different digital audio workstation other than audacity might be in my best interests I haven't bothered to go and uh, check out any other editing software, really, because, like, number one, Audacity is free. Number two, Audacity is open source, and I really, really like supporting open source projects. Um, And also, I don't know, I'm a busy guy. Do I have time to go and, like, learn a whole new editing software? Eh, I probably could find the time for that, but, you know, it's a whole process. At any rate, there are a lot of different options for doing your audio editing. Um, Audacity is one of them. You know, we've got Reaper, we've got Audition, we've got GarageBand. Um, So, yeah, that is... I'm not going to get too much into... This isn't going to be a tutorial of, like, how to use Audacity um, because, as I mentioned earlier... That's a very visual medium, and that's going to be way more difficult for me to convey uh, in this podcast than is worth it. So I'll leave you to go and watch some, like, tutorials for whatever digital audio workstation you want to use. I will say this, though, because this applies no matter what kind of software you're using. You definitely want to be saving everything in an uncompressed audio format, so for example, like WAV files, um, until the very, very, very end when you're going to be exporting the final file that you'll be uploading to your hosting platform. Uh, And at that point, then you can export it as like an MP3 uh, and, uh, you know, you'll get a nice smaller file out of that. Um, But before that, you don't want to export a compressed file and then like import it somewhere else and continue working with it and everything because you will lose some of that detail. Speaking of hosting platforms, let's talk about those a little bit. So we have managed to maintain this medium as like a very decentralized system, which I am thrilled about. uh, and, And I want to make sure that we are defending that aspect of our industry uh, to the last breath. So no matter what hosting platform you are using, um, it will come with some basic things in order to make sure that it is interoperable with, you know, other distribution platforms and things, right? So your hosting platform will, one, take the audio files that you upload to it, uh, and it will, it will uh, host those. Two, it will generate an RSS feed for your uh, show 
and it will incorporate you know whatever titles and descriptions and show notes that you put in for each episode those will appear in the rss feed alongside all of the mp3 files for all of your episodes um, and that rss feed that is what each podcast player whether it's like apple podcasts or overcast or pocket casts or uh, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. Right, those all will be reading the information from the RSS feed, and they will be uh, taking that info and displaying it in their own apps in whatever format they use for their user interface. So that's kind of the basic functionality that a podcast hosting platform will provide for you different hosts will also provide other you know uh, uh, features such as maybe they will automatically generate a video version of your show and upload that to like your YouTube channel as well. Um, I definitely have found it very useful to have my shows uh, being published on YouTube as well as uh, on our regular mp3 RSS feed um, because YouTube just does a really good job of making things searchable and allowing people to stumble across, you know, your shows if, if it is something that they seem like they would be interested in. You can also self-host your show, right? You can have uh, own your own website and have all of your MP3 files and your RSS feed and everything um, be hosted under that domain name. Um, I really like that approach. Uh, I think even if you are going to be using a, a more conventional, like centralized um, hosting platform, it's still a really good idea to own your own domain name uh, and, and you know have all of your episodes listed there so that you have uh, a, one place where people go to look for new episodes um, because, you know, who knows? Libsyn right now, very big, very profitable, uh, very well-known podcast hosting platform, but platforms come and go. They might go out of business. They might decide that they don't want to host uh, podcasts anymore. They want to do something else. Who knows? Uh, and so it is very useful to, you know, for, for the purposes of like having that, that public facing link to an episode, um, that should be on your own domain that you own, right? So for us here at the Nexus TV, all of our shows, all of our episodes are on under the banner of the Nexus.tv. If you are going to be doing that, though, you need to be uh, aware of like laws and regulations like GDPR or COPPA or whatever um, with regards to what kind of information you are gathering about the people who are visiting your website. If you don't want to deal with any of that kind of thing, then hey, just like don't gather information about the people who are visiting your website. I would also like to say and this is a personal preference, but it is a very strong personal preference, don't neglect your show notes, right? So this is any of the written materials that is, is distributed alongside the uh, MP3 file for, for uh, people's podcast players to display. Um, those can be incredibly helpful for uh, to help like your engaged listeners, and really the engaged listeners are the ones that we really care about serving, right? Um they, it helps give them supplemental information, right? Uh, links to click on to learn more about the things that you are uh, talking about in the show, right? It's very hard to, to <laughs> have a clickable link in an audio file. 
But if you put it in your show notes, then there it is. You can also like embed any images that might be helpful for giving context to whatever you're talking about. Yeah. An especially, especially helpful thing is putting timestamps for the different sections, the different topics that are in your episode. Um, and that helps people to be able to like navigate around. Maybe somebody's super interested in one of the topics that you're going to talk about during your episode, but they're not up interested in other things. So just giving them the ability to jump around in your episode to find the things that they actually want, that's going to really improve the listener experience. Ooh, copyright law. So this is a very large topic that, honestly, I think a lot of people uh, could stand to understand a little bit better, given that we live in a world where everybody is both a consumer and a producer. If you want to learn uh, a lot more about copyright law, this is one of the episodes that I have made in the past doing a deep dive. But if you uh, just need to know what you, what you should know uh, as a podcast creator, here we go. So number one, you own the copyright for the show that you are producing, even if you don't register it with a copyright office. That's very important to understand. You don't have to do anything special in order to own the copyright for the works that you produce. Number two, remember that this also applies to other people, right? Other people automatically own the copyrights to the things that they create. So that means that you, like, for example, if, you, if you're going and trying to find a, uh, a good theme song for your show, right? You can't just go out and grab whatever song you like and use it as your theme song. Um, you're going to have to either like commission somebody to create a unique song for you, um, or you can go and find something that's released under a Creative Commons license. Um, I am a fan of Kevin McLeod. He releases almost everything that he makes under a Creative Commons license, so you can just go and use that. Um, Free Music Archive used to be a really good resource, but they uh, don't exist anymore, which makes me really sad. So, hey, if anybody has any suggestions for like other places to just go and look for Creative Commons uh, licensed music, uh, please go to our subreddit and let me know. Number three, uh, that being said about other people's copyrights, um, you can still usually use short audio clips in your show for either like illustrative purposes or to make commentary on that audio. Um, those are generally protected under fair use, but it's always difficult to know exactly what's going to be protected under fair use until you get sued and you find out what a judge says in court. So... I'm not giving any legal advice here, but like this is kind of generally how fair use is understood. I mentioned Creative Commons licenses, um, and did you know that The Extra Dimension is released under a Creative Commons attribution license? That means that you can take any parts of this episode, uh, edit them however you like, reuse them wherever you want without asking for my permission, um, and all you have to do is give credit and link back to the original page, which for this episode, which would be thenexus.tv slash TED57. DRM, digital rights management. So this would be any technological tool that a publisher would use to like restrict how people are allowed to use particular uh, pieces of media that they've bought, right? Um, 
So a, a good example would be like if you get a DVD that was released in Japan and then you like try to put it into a DVD player that was sold in the US, uh, it probably won't play because of region locking, right? Um, now, for podcasting, because this is a distributed publishing platform, right? Uh, you can't really put DRM on it. If you did, then most podcast players wouldn't be able to access and play your episodes. Um, the closest that you could get to this would be to have like a, a secret RSS feed. Um, so for example, for the Nexus TV, my, my podcast network, uh, if you back us on Patreon, then you get access to an exclusive feed where we post pilot episodes for shows that we are thinking about starting on the network. Um, but remember that even if you do something like that, if you've got a secret RSS feed, you are still serving like DRM-free MP3 audio files to your listeners. So you literally don't have any control over like what they can do with that file after they have downloaded it. And if you ask me, like that's how it should be. There are some platforms that have been trying to lock in listeners by having like exclusive shows on their apps, but if a show isn't playable in third-party podcast players, then it isn't a podcast. That's it. Moving on. All right, let's talk about promoting your show. So the first thing that you can do really to, to help your show spread is make sure that it's going to be uh, available on as many different podcast players as you can. Um, I'm going to list some of the most important ones here. Um, I have reviewed a whole ton of podcast players uh, in order to figure out not just like from the listener's perspective, like which ones offer the best experience, but also also for myself as a podcaster so that I could understand like how do each of these apps find my show and list them in their directory. So the most important one would be Apple Podcasts and I say that because most other podcast players they seed their directories from the Apple Podcast directory. So once your show is listed on Apple Podcasts there you go it's going to be listed on Pocket Casts, on Overcast, on Castro, on all kinds of different podcast players. Stitcher is also important. Spotify has a lot of listeners. Uh, player FM is a really good podcast player uh, that uh, that doesn't get its shows from Apple Podcasts. Um, we've got Google Podcasts and we've got Podbean. Um, those are kind of the, the major, like the main six that you want to make sure that your show is listed on. Uh, and as long as, as long as you hit up, honestly, as long as you hit up like those first three, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify, like that's going to be probably 97% of the people who might want to listen to your show, they'll be able to access it in whichever app they want to use. Social media presence. Man, this is a tough nut to crack. Um, there are different philosophies on what a, a show's like social media account should be doing. Um, I tend to think that the best way to use like a social media account uh, for a particular show is to kind of build a community around that show, right? Um, so if you, for example, are running a show that is all about Mass Effect and you want to like you're not just going to be posting every time that there is an a new episode for people to listen to of course you will be doing that but 
in the meantime, you know, in the in the weeks in between episodes, you'll also just be like interacting with other Mass Effect fans on whatever social media platform this account is on. You'll be posting, you know, cool stuff that you found on Etsy that's like related to Mass Effect or whatever, right? People need to have a reason to check in on your social media account and then also like people can find your show just by like randomly encountering your uh your social media account that's interacting with other people on that platform the one piece of social media advice that i feel like a lot of people aren't taking advantage of is reddit um so if you can find a good relevant like subreddit that is dedicated to whatever topic or thing you are talking about in your show like post about your show there because the people who are on reddit tend to be very very motivated to click through and check out content that is related to their interests Another really effective way of um, not just promoting your show, but like just getting your own name out there uh, is by guesting on other podcasts. So if you can find other podcasts that are kind of related to your show or or even just like, you know, are something is, is, is something that you're interested in um, and you have something to say about, like, feel free to go and and appear on other people's shows and then almost always those hosts will give you the opportunity at the end of the episode to kind of promote whatever you want to promote. And so you can talk about your own show uh, there and kind of hopefully some of their audience will be interested in what you have to talk about on your show and they'll come and check you out. Monetization. So you're putting in a lot of work making your show. You deserve to get paid. I'm serious. And if you get paid enough, then you can really start focusing more of your time and energy on the podcast that you're making, which will thus improve your show. So I'm going to talk about a few different strategies here. You can mix and match them. You can combine them in different ways uh, to that whatever will make sense for your show. First up, ad supported. So this is the most common form of monetization for podcasts. Typically, advertisers will be paying you according to how many downloads your episodes typically get within the first 30 days after they're published. Um, that's kind of a weird quirk of the podcasting like medium, um, but it's it's just you know it's the expectation that your episode will be getting most of its downloads in that first month after it's published, and so that is what is used kind of as as a as a litmus test for like how your future episodes will be doing as well. Now, the exception to this rule is if you, uh, if your hosting platform supports dynamic ad insertion, that means that they can insert new advertisements into your MP3 files uh, over time, so that you can get paid for old episodes as well. Like if if you made an episode about a particular topic and then that topic kind of blows up a year later, hey. Dynamic ad insertion can make sure that you are getting paid for the advertisements that people are getting served, uh, even you know years into the future. 
Direct audience support is another method that you can use for uh, making money off of your show. So your most dedicated fans will probably be motivated to help you uh, make your podcast financially feasible. Um, tools like Patreon make it very, very easy for you to get financial backing from your audience. Uh, and then, you know, the, you can also give them exclusive rewards in appreciation. So that's a, a nice two-way street there. And I would definitely like to note that like, if you're making a quality show that people really appreciate listening to, this method will probably make you way more money per audience member than advertising ever will. And the really nice thing is that it's, it scales down to like small shows too. Um, my shows uh, have, have, their audiences are way too small for like advertisers to ever take notice of me and, you know, partner with me on, on, uh, putting advertisements in my shows, but I have a few listeners who, you know, are interested and able to uh, help support me financially as I make these shows. So they have joined me on Patreon and there you go. Merchandise. Um, I mean, there are lots of companies that will like sell stuff on your behalf uh, that, you know, make it very easy to just slap your show's logo or like a funny quote from your show or something uh, onto like some t-shirts or mugs or whatever. Uh, and, and people can buy those. And then uh, finally, live shows. Um, so depending on what kind of show you're making, you might be able to like go on tour and sell tickets to a live event. Um, I have noticed that this usually works best for like comedy podcasts, uh, it seems like, uh, or audio dramas sometimes, you know, they can do live readings of episodes. I have struggled to think about what that would look like for the extra dimension, um, but then I suddenly realized one day that like, oh yeah, I teach in a high school and the classes that I teach are basically live versions of my episodes. So I'm getting paid to do live shows already, kind of. So that's it. Uh, that's everything that I think everybody should know before they decide to start a podcast of their own. Uh, I've been your host, Ian R. Buck. You can find me on Twitter as Ian R. Buck. This episode of The Extra Dimension is released under a Creative Commons attribution license, so you can use any or all of it as you see fit, as long as you link back to the original page, which once again is thenexus.tv slash TED57. If you have further questions for me about anything that I uh, talked about in here, or if you want to discuss any of what we talked about uh, with other listeners, you can do so on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash the Nexus TV. If you are willing and able to support us financially as we continue to make technology-focused podcasts, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the Nexus TV. Until next time. Have a good one. The Nexus. The Nexus. The Nexus TV. Podcasts from, from the, the Technological, technological Convergence. Convergence.
The intro and outro music for all IPM episodes is composed by Benny James. Our graphic art and logo are by Matthias Grelly. You can support International Podcast Month by sharing and talking about the event, and you can even buy our team members a coffee. Links are in the show notes. Follow us at PodMonth on Twitter and use the hashtag PodMonth2020. Head on over to internationalpodcastmonth.com for the month-long blog and for more information about the event. International Podcast Month, celebrating creators, sharing listeners.